Thank you, Miss Laura. As our boys and girls make their way to Mr. Ben, who's over here, they'll be headed upstairs for Children's Church. All of our kindergartners through third graders are going to go with Mr. Ben to Children's Church today and enjoy some time in the Word. If you're a kindergarten through third grader, want to go that way, you can head out at this time. Or if you just want to go see how Mr. Ben leads children so well, you can go too. It's a good opportunity. I got you, Greg. All right, I see you now. I got a question uh, that actually I, I was surprised at how many times I get this question. And it's that question that's printed up there. Justin, why baptism? Why baptism? And this morning I want us to try to engage in trying to find an answer to that question uh, of why baptism. You know, when people uh, join the Baptist church, mainly uh, when they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the next step in their obedience is baptism. And what I mean by that, that's not obedience to the Baptist church. That's, that's biblical obedience of how God uh, intended it to be. So we see people join the church or they, we see people um, give their life to Christ. And the next step is baptism. We also encourage people that when they join our church and maybe they come from a different uh, background and, and we say, hey, have you ever been baptized by immersion? Uh, so a lot of times we see people enter the baptistry waters uh, to be baptized by immersion because they come from a different background. They're believers in Jesus Christ. Their salvation is secure in Christ alone. It's just uh, part of their in- con- continuing testimony is being baptized by immersion. Um, and that's kind of what we do here at Westmead in terms of baptism in our, in our church covenant. It's in our doctrinal truths that we hold to that that people who are members of Westmead are baptized by immersion. You'll, you'll find this statement on our website. It says, we believe scriptural baptism must be, one, by being completely immersed under the water, and two, must be after salvation. Baptism has no saving power, but is the first act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and the believer's death to sin and resurrection to walk in a new life in Christ. And a lot of the evidence that we use for these types of doctrinal statements are found in Matthew chapter 3. And I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today uh, as we walk through this, trying to answer the question of why baptism. And we see baptism taking place in Scripture. But as you're turning, I want to ask you this question. And I know sometimes it's easy to multitask. So if you can't multitask, I want you to stop turning for just a minute because I want to ask you this question. Because if we celebrate baptism as a response to our salvation, let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus get baptized? If we celebrate baptism as a response to our salvation, our response to giving our life to Christ, then why did Jesus get baptized? I want us to try to answer that question, kind of unpack that question today as we look in Matthew chapter 3. You'll see right out of the gate, um, Jesus goes up to John the Baptist, because John the Baptist was out baptizing people, because that's what he does. I'll explain later. And Jesus walked up to John the Baptist and said, hey, I, I need you to baptize me. And John the Baptist says, whoa, 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 hold on. I know who you are. 
I know the significance of your birth. I know how big of a deal you are. You're the one who should be baptizing me. And then in a conversation, John reluctantly complied. But let's, let's just look, let this passage speech for itself. In Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, Whoa, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, which is one of the reasons why we baptism by immersion is what we hold to as Baptists, to come out of the water. Uh, And Jesus, um, as soon as he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Side note, um, for those of you who read your Bible, which I hope is all of you, like when, when you get to passages like this in your head, when you're reading it to yourself, and it says, uh, and a voice from heaven said, and you know it's God, in your head, does you, do you kind of read it like, this is my son whom I love? Do y'all, do y'all do that? Okay, well, there's three of us now. The rest of you, just keep looking, it's weird. That's what I hear. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In this passage, I want us to see six reasons that support why Jesus was baptized. And of those six reasons, what that means for us and the implications behind it. So we're going to walk through here the six six of the reasons why Jesus was baptized. And number one is this. We're just going to dive right in. Jesus' baptism was the beginning of his public ministry. The first reason, or one of the reasons, it's not in any any order, but one of the reasons we see why Jesus was baptized is because it's the beginning of his public ministry. We know that Jesus, when he was crucified, was 33 years old. We know his ministry was about three years long. So in this passage, when we see Jesus come up out of Galilee and find John, he's about 30 years old. Now, prior to this, the last time we saw Jesus... He was a boy in the temple, around 12 years old. So realistically, this 18 years of silence is coming to a conclusion with Jesus publicly stepping forward and beginning his ministry. His baptism kind of symbolized the beginning of his ministry. It says, Jesus said, part of what he said to John was we're doing this to fulfill all righteousness. What he's talking about here is is the fulfillment of the prophecy that we see in the Old Testament, it's also to bring glory to God. Because if he's, been, he's kind of been out of the limelight for 18 years, and we can speculate all day long, well, what did he do in those 18 years? What did he do from the time he was a boy in the temple to the time he showed up to get baptized? And there's a lot of different um, theories out there, but where Scripture is silent, I too will remain silent. But we trust that Jesus did ju- just did Jesus' things during those 18 years. After all, John concludes his uh, accord by saying, um, Jesus did this and many more things during his time here on earth. I suppose if he had, if all of them were written down, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world to contain the books of what Jesus did. So I would imagine in those 18 years, he did some pretty amazing things. I'll just wait and let him tell me about it one day, all right? But in the meantime, 
we see him showing up to fulfill all righteousness. His baptism started. Jesus could have easily um, come into this area, this region, and just started preaching. He very easily could have shown up uh, to a wedding feast and turned water into wine, which was his first documented miracle. He could have easily done these things, but he wanted to start, his, his public ministry started with his baptism. And a lot of times, and we do the same things as humans, that when something is the beginning of something, there's a coronation that takes place. There's a big deal uh, that this is the beginning of fill in the blank. And we see this amazing coronation take place at his baptism. That the fact that when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit itself lands on him in the form of a dove. And the voice of God is made present. That is a coronation. That is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. So we see this this period of silence of 18 years come to an end when Jesus steps up and we see the beginning of his public ministry. You know, for us, uh, as we celebrate baptism, we call baptism is symbolizes the beginning of our Christian walk, the beginning of our journey and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if we read uh, the Bible and understand why God saves us for his glory, but it's also for us to become amb- his ambassadors, for us to go and proclaim the gospel, the same gospel that we claim transform our lives that lead us to the baptistry waters. We take it and become missionaries for him. So when you look at it, that Jesus's baptism was the beginning of his public ministry, our baptism, our baptism too, is a, is a symbol of our public ministry that we too now will go and proclaim the gospel. It's very similar there. Jesus did the same thing in this coronation. And speaking of coronation, it leads us to the second thing. Jesus' baptism was a revelation of the triune God. I want you to think real hard about your biblical knowledge. Because what we just witnessed is amazing. Because what you just saw in this passage is the Trinity, the full Godhead all on display in the same place at the same time. We have Jesus, God the Son, in the water. We have the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, descending on him like the dove. And we have the voice of God the Father saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. It's the first time in Scripture that we see the fullness of the Trinity working together to accomplish the goal of bringing glory to God. This is amazing that we see this revelation that the beginning of Jesus' ministry, that the triune God makes a physical appearance to be seen and heard, symbolizing the beginning of Jesus. You know, Matthew, uh, Matthew points this out in Matthew chapter 3, but he also points to something else that's pretty unique that I want to draw your attention to, that he begins Jesus's earthly ministry by pointing out and spotlighting the Trinity at work, the triune God at work. And if you go to Matthew 28, which you don't have to right now, and you see, uh, as Matthew concludes his account of Jesus, uh, you see him once again pointing to the Trinity. When we see this in Matthew 28, beginning verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven Jesus is speaking here, and Matthew's writing it down. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And then there's this phrase, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When Matthew is talking about Jesus, he starts about Jesus' ministry begins with the triune God and his public ministry concludes with a reference pointing back to the triune God, working in unison for the glory of God the Father, for our good, for our salvation, for our fellowship to be tied in with him. So we see that Jesus' baptism was the beginning of his public ministry. We see that Jesus' baptism was a revelation of the triune God. The third thing we see in this passage is that Jesus' baptism identified him with sinful humanity. Now understand this. You got to listen to words carefully so you don't start accusing me of heresy, all right? Jesus' baptism identified him with sinful humanity. It does not identify him with sinfulness. For we know Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. But how he did this, how he was baptized, he identified him with sinful humanity. You know who sinful humanity is? Somebody say it. Yeah, us. Absolutely. He is identifying with us. See, Jesus, when he was coming down to begin what God had called him to do, he was illustrating right out the gate to the people that he's not going to be some tyrant or dictator, this king that's going to show up that is above and lords over the people because they've seen that, they've done that, and they've been miserable under that. But what does he do? He starts off by jumping in line and goes and gets baptized. And if you look at the other accounts of Jesus' baptism, there were other people getting baptized that day. So Jesus showing up and getting baptized the same way others were getting baptized points to the fact that he was identifying as one of us. He's not going to be the king that tells everyone to do. He's the king that relates to his people and the suffering and the day-to-day what they go through. He's the king that's one of us, that understands who we are, that knows where we're coming from. We see him identify with sinful humanity. He would lead by example not by force. He would lead by the salvation that he was about to offer through his perfect life and by the way he would lay down his life and sacrifice on the cross from the empty tomb and his resurrection would point to the sinfulness of our humanity and how he identifies with that because when we talk about baptism, when we say that what baptism illustrates for us is that we can partake in Christ's death and resurrection. He has set the tone. He set the standard. He's identifying in a way that we can now have a way to come to God the Father. I'm not saying that Jesus identified in sinfulness. I'm saying Jesus in his baptism identified with sinful humanity to show us that he came to us so that we may have access to go to the Father. Number four, Jesus' baptism was his public expression of submission to the Father. It was public expression of his submission to the Father. Again, look at his words here. He says, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What he's saying there is he is accepting his task. He is accepting his assignment that has been foretold before he shows up. He is accepting the mission that God has sent him to earth to accomplish. He says it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is his public submission to God the Father. What was his assignment? If he's saying, I'm here to fulfill the assignment, then what was his assignment? We know what his assignment was. His assignment was to bring salvation to mankind. His assignment was to live and to lay down that perfect life so that God would be glorified, so that our sins would be paid for 
Because when he died, our sins died with him. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered death too. That was his assignment that he accomplished. And he did so in submission to God's will. You remember when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying so intently. He was praying so intensely also that that he was sweating drops of blood. And he said, Father, if there's any way, please let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. He was submitting to God's plan for restoration of fellowship with humanity. So we see his baptism accepting his mission, accepting his assignment, and submitting to God the Father of what that was going to lead him to do. Accepting the understanding of what God was going to call him to do and how he was going to be called to lay it down. If you also continue reading in this passage, you understand that in chapter 4, right after he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness, he goes into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Because as many of us know that when we're pursuing Jesus, when something amazing happens and God's getting the glory for it, the enemy's going to come right in behind it and try to stick as many holes in it as possible to sink that ship. And we see him publicly submitting to God the Father and then being led out into the wilderness so that he may rely on the Father in whom he's just submitted to. That when Satan begins tempting him, it's not in submission to Satan that he falls, it stays in submission to the Heavenly Father that he continues. So we see this as his public expression of submission. Number five, Jesus' baptism, put it simply, was God's opportunity just to brag on his son. Did you hear what he said? This is my son, and I'm well pleased with him. You know, if you pay attention to the next three years of Jesus' ministry, there's really not a lot of people that bragged on Jesus. There were the people that were healed. I know what you might instantly be thinking. Oh, but all the people that were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, as he entered into Jerusalem on the triumphant entry. Those, there were people that were excited about Jesus. There weren't a lot of people that just straight up bragged on Jesus. Matter of fact, there were none the night of his trial. Because there was even somebody trying to get Peter to brag on Jesus. Weren't you with him? Weren't you one of his? No, not me. I don't even know the guy. I mean, think about it, guys. If everybody's bragging on him, why would they kill him? Wasn't a lot of people bragging on Jesus. So God said, I'm going to take this opportunity to let people know this is my son. And I'm very well pleased in him. Hey, Dad, when was the last time you bragged on the salvation of your children? Mom? Grandparent? When was the last time you looked at your child or grandchild and said, I'm so proud of you because you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I'm so thankful that you want and desire Jesus. Because I've looked at quite a few pictures on cell phones of things that kids have built or things they've gone or places they've been to or look at what my kids accomplished. Parents, are you bragging on your child's salvation? Because I will tell you this, as a former child of parents, what my parents bragged on me about, that's the areas I wanted to grow in. Are you that parent? And you're sitting there thinking, well, I can't say anything now because they're going to know I got it from the service. So, do it. Brag on your children's salvation. You go to lunch today and you sit down and you run into somebody 
look at them and be, hey, you know what? I got to tell you something that happened in church this morning. And they're going to be like, oh, man, my fries look really good. You know, so they're going to be trying to get away from me. Like, you know, it was about five years ago. My son was baptized around this time about five years ago. And let your son hear you say it. God did. This is my son. I'm very well pleased in him. Look at him getting baptized. Mm. He was proud of his son. I love that. Number six. We're going to unpack this one a little bit more in detail. Jesus' baptism set the course for the type of Messiah he would be. Why did Jesus have to get baptized? Well, one of the reasons is it sets the course for the type of Messiah he would be. Let's break this down just a little bit real quick. Look in verse 17, just at the phrase that we just talked about. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This statement is actually a combination of two Old Testament passages put together. And you got to remember, it wasn't just Jesus and John out here. There were other people that were here at this time. A lot of them were probably representative of a Jewish audience. Uh, so when they heard this voice that said these two Old Testament, they were probably familiar with the phrases that were said. And the two phrases that were said come from two passages of Scripture that we're going to put up on the screen so you don't have to look them down, but you can write them down. The first is in Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. And this is what we see in Psalms 2, 7. It says, I will pro- proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. This is in Psalms, so this was going back. This is called a Davidic text. Basically means it came from David. And you know, Jewish people held David in high regard, right? Uh, So this is a Davidic text, but because it's pointing forward, the whole chapter is pointing forward to the coming Messiah, it is also called a Messianic text. So we have a Davidic Messianic text, and it has this statement, You are my son. Today I have become your father. So when people heard that voice, they probably thought, didn't David write something like that? The second passage that this is a combination of is Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. And this is what it says there. It says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. Y'all saw that part, right? You remember we talked about the spirit descended on him like a dove? I mean, I hear y'all, but I'm looking at them. Thank you. Thank you. It's just written in scripture. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. What's the fourth word in that passage? Servant. Servant, and this actually, this chapter in Isaiah begins a series of writings in that incredible book that points to uh, the suffering servant mentality that Jesus goes on to live out and the traits that he demonstrated. If we look at these two texts, which is a combination putting them together, this is exactly what God said when he says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. It's pointing us to the traits, the type of ruler, the type of king Jesus was going to be. He's not going to be some tyrant that governs over people. We already seen that his public submission, that he identifies with sinful humanity, is showing him that he's relating to humanity, that he has come down, that he has participated in this. And ultimately through his life, death, and resurrection, which is what baptism symbolizes, people partake in his life through baptism. It's how they celebrate it. And now we see that it's a declaration of the Messiah that he's going to be, for he will be the 
Messiah. He will be the one who comes and pays the ransom for his people, but he will be the suffering servant Messiah. That when we hear the declaration of God the Father over him at the end of his baptism, we see what type of Messiah to expect. So, six reasons why we see Jesus was baptized. What in the world does any of this have to do with me? Or you? Well, just to try to keep the symmetry in place, I got six implications that we can pull from this. I'm going to go through them real quick. The reason we baptize, to answer the question that we started off with, why baptism? The reason why, well, here's six reasons why we follow through in baptism. Number one, our baptism is our obedience to publicly proclaim Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's when you look up there and you see people wander off into that water and they're wearing the big puffy Stay puff marshmallow gowns and everything and you see them kind of bobbing in. It's not what it physically looks like. It's much bigger, guys. They're getting in that water to proclaim to you that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Second thing, our baptism is to glorify the triune God and it symbolizes our dependence on him. When we baptize people, we do exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 28. And we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because it is the active work of the God, the Godhead, the Trinity at work in your life that has brought you to this point and is going to take you further beyond this. And we recognize our submission to that. Third, our baptism is to proclaim that we were once sinners and now we have been saved by the grace of God. Has anybody in this room been saved by the grace of God? So wouldn't you get excited to see other people proclaim that they too have been saved by the grace of God? This is why we celebrate baptism. Number four, our baptism is a declaration of submission to God and his lordship in our lives, which lead us to walk in the newness of life. Our baptism that we celebrate here and as other Baptist churches celebrate it, too, also does exactly what Jesus does. It recognizes and points to and symbolizes our submission to God the Father. Why? Because when we're baptized, we do so out of obedience. And you don't obey something that you're not already submissive to. So when we practice baptism, it is a declaration of our submission. And therefore, if we're submitting to God in baptism... We're submitting to his lordship in life. Therefore, it is leading us to walk in the newness of life. Because in Christ, he makes what? All things new. And it's a declaration of that. Our baptism, if we can kind of turn the tables a little bit, our our baptism is our opportunity to brag on God for what he's done. Sometimes we call churchy words, we call it give him glory. We glorify God. We give him praise. We give him thanks. This is basically what it is. It's bragging on God. And our baptism is a symbol of like, hey guys, I need y'all to know I've been saved by a God who loves me. And you know what? There are people in this room that might not know that reality and it's a public testimony into their life to say, hey, if God loves me, God loves you too. And number six, our baptism is to identify with Christ as we seek to serve God the Father. We identify with Christ. The reason I wanted us to talk about the importance of baptism is because us as a church, us as the capital C church that congregates at Westmead Baptist Church, we need to know 
that baptism is a really big deal. And it's worth getting excited about, church. It's worth getting excited about. When we, ste- when we see a person step into those waters, when we look down and we say, oh, we're having baptism today, for those of you who pick up a bulletin before Sunday school, when we know that's going to be taking place, we should get excited about that. Why should we get excited? I don't even know that person. Well, guess what? That person is stepping into the water because of in front of about 500 people, they're declaring to you, I want to be like Jesus. Hey, Christian, tomorrow when you go to work, when you show up to school, I want you to ask your teacher, I want you to ask your supervisor, uh, excuse me, can I have 30 seconds of the class's attention? Can I have 30 seconds with all my coworkers in the, in the conference room today? And I want you to walk into the conference room and I want you to stand in front of your class and I want you to say to them, I want to be like Jesus. What type of reaction do you think you would get? <laughs> I think it would be pretty varied, Right? People might laugh at you. People might be like, okay, going back to work, going back to, you know, you're going to get dismissed ultimately, right? You might have a few people be like, man, that's awesome. That's good. I need to do that too. But as a whole, you're going to kind of get, hmm, he's one of those. Y'all know what I mean, right? So if we, the church, that exists because of the blood of Jesus Christ, if we, the church, that here congregate because of the completed work of Christ, if we, the church, don't get excited when somebody stands before us and says, I want to be like Jesus Christ, then woe be to us on the day we stand before the man himself. This should be the place where we lose our minds when somebody in front of 500 people says, this is what I make. This is the statement I make today. Yeah, you know what? I'll be honest with you. We should hoop and holler. We should clap, and if we want a woo-woo or whatever, we should. You know why? Because seeing somebody declare to you that they want to, get, they want to live their life as a reflection of Jesus Christ, that's a little bit better than a touchdown, people. That's a little bit better than the winning score at the last few seconds of the game. That's a little bit better than Little Junior's performance on the stage. That is people standing in front of you saying, I want to be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good for you. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's for us to get excited about what Jesus is doing in their life. For those of you who are in Christ, that should make you excited and reminding you of what Jesus did in your life. That should take us back to the day and be like, mm, you know what? I remember the day I got baptized. I remember the day I got baptized. I had the flu, but I didn't tell anybody. And uh, it was in February. I got baptized in February. The water was so warm. And when you know when you got the flu, you always have the chills. So I got in the water. I'm like, man, this is nice right here. I got baptized. I didn't even stay for the service because I was about to throw up. So I like remember walking through the parking lot. My head was all wet. Uh, my head was all wet because it was so wet. I didn't dry off very well. Um, and I went home and Theraflued. And then literally I went back to school the next day because I was that kid that made everyone else sick, you know. And uh the three other people that got baptized with me that night, by the end of the week, they were out of school. I'm like, you're welcome. I remember the things of my baptism. That's just the physical elements that took place. But guess what? I remember the night that I stood before my church and said, I want to be like Jesus. Do you? 
Do you remember when you were baptized? Do you remember when you publicly went before a group of people and said, I really just, I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to love God the Father. I want to love the people that are around me so that they too will know what it's like to be loved by a holy God. You remember what that was like? You should remember that every time somebody steps into that water. And not just remember what's happened in your life, but to know that God is still at work in our church. And it's evident by the fact that he's moved in somebody's life to lead them to the point of obedience to stand before you to say, this is my declaration. Church, we should get excited. How big is baptism to you? How big a deal is baptism to you? I was 16 years old when I got saved, when literally Jesus transformed my life. I was 16 years old. When I was 11, I got baptized. Uh, I had nothing to do with Jesus. It was basically, I don't know if he wouldn't really be baptized. I got in the water when I was 11 because I didn't understand salvation fully. I thought I was doing it to make my father proud. He had already passed away. I thought that's what I needed to do. I got saved when I was 16 years old. If I drop dead walking off this stage, I want you to stand at my funeral and say, oh yeah, he was saved when he was 16. It didn't happen when I, I got baptized when I was 11. I got saved when I was 16 years old. And I remember thinking, you know what? I grew up in the church. I've been saved. I've already been baptized. When I got saved, it was uh, God met me in my bedroom one night because I was praying and didn't know what I was doing. And suddenly through the revel- through Holy Spirit working in my life, he showed me the reality of scripture and just kind of unfolded that in a meeting with him. And led me to salvation. And I remember thinking, nobody else knows. They know I got saved. They see me get baptized. It's cool. For four years, I battled conviction because God was telling me this. Justin, you got saved, but nobody in this church knows your story. They think you got saved when you're 11. That's a lie. I need you to tell them the truth. Four years. And I remember thinking as a 16-year-old, I remember thinking, man, I'm, I'm like one of the youth group. I'm here every week. What would they think about me if I go down the aisle and get baptized, tell them I got saved? Man, what's that going to look like in me? <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Because when I was 20 years old and I couldn't battle conviction anymore, I was then employed by said church. And it wasn't just being a part of the youth group. It's like, now I'm on the payroll. What are they going to think of me if I walk down the aisle and be like, I'm going to get saved? At 20 years old, I walked down to my pastor. I said, I got saved four years ago. Nobody knows the truth. I want Jesus to have glory for my story. I got saved when I was 20 years old and made people sick. It was great. What's your story? How big is baptism for you? You know, for some of you, I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because guess what? We're going to do that later. Now's just not a good time. Guess what? You're not in charge of later. You never will be. And if God lets us get to the end of this service, this is all we've got today. So for some of you, you need to recognize that today is the day of your salvation. Will you accept the gift that Christ has offered you? And when in doing so, I would love to talk with you. You know, at the end when we sing a song and I stand down here by myself, that's when you come and say, this is the decision I want to make and I want to pray with you. I want to talk. I want to celebrate with you. And then we follow through in baptism. Not today. We're going to do it another day. But for some of you, today's the day that you give your life to Christ and then follow through in obedience for, for in baptism. You know what? There are some of you in this room that was just like me. That you remember 
getting in the water at a certain age, but you remember that it was after that that you actually trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm challenging you specifically because this, me telling you this today, I guarantee is not the first time you heard it. God needs credit for your story. And it's, it's time for you to make your public testimony known to say, hey, you know what? I may be 87 years old, but I walked in a water when I was six, but I got saved when I was 30. And now Jesus, it's time for Jesus to, to get glory for my story. And this morning, maybe it's time for you to say, I'm ready to put my baptism on the right side of my salvation and let Jesus get recognized for how he saved you however long ago it was. It's time. Then you don't have to deal with that conviction anymore. And then you get to stand in front of your church family and they know the truth of Jesus in your life. Let me get real with you for a little bit if you're willing to get real with me. There's somebody in this room that your pride is keeping you from getting baptized. And I don't know if that's because realistically, you've never been saved. And I've been a member of this church for so long. That's great, man. Or I've done this for so long. Fantastic. But you've never truly given your heart to Jesus. You remember getting in the water, regardless of how old you were, but you never gave your heart to Jesus. Stop. He loves you. And I know you grew up in church, and guess what? That means you ought to know it better than I do. And it's time to give your life to Christ. It's time to get baptized because it really happened. On December the 8th, it's a River City Christmas where our, our incredible choir is going to be leading us in musical worship, celebrating the birth of Jesus. But we're going to have a baptism service that day, church. Hear me. We're having a baptism service that day, church. I think there's already six people that are going to be baptized that day. Some are going to be baptized because they recently gave their life to Jesus. And you know what? We're going to lose our minds when they walk in that water. There might, I think there's a, one or two that are going to be baptized on that day because they come from a different a denomination and they've never been baptized by immersion. And you know what? That's scary for people because it's like, I don't want people to judge me. There is no judgment. It's Jesus' story. And they're going to walk out and say, hey, this person has been a believer in Jesus Christ for this many years. But you know what? Today they come through with the obedience of baptism in the Baptist church and be baptized by immersion. And we're going to lose our minds. But you know what? If we're going to be honest, there's some of y'all out there that need to be in those waters on December the 8th. You got to let go of your pride. You got to let go of you. It's time to get your salvation on the right side, the baptism on the right side of your salvation. It's time for you to give your life to Christ. And it's time for some of you to recognize that your consecutive days not missed Sunday school doesn't make a hill of beans difference in the scheme of God and your salvation. Amen. And it's time to move towards Jesus so that we too can celebrate your story in the baptismal waters. December the 8th is three weeks from today. How big is baptism to you, church? How big is baptism to you individually? And what are you willing to do about it? Can I pray for you?
God, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for the example Jesus set by being in submission to you and loving you and following through in baptism. I'm so thankful, God, because I got to partake in that when I was baptized of participating in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus through symbolically going under the water and coming up. And God, I'm thankful for the day that we have the privilege of getting to obey and follow you. And God, there are people in this room they don't have a relationship with you, God. They've never trusted you to be their Lord and their King and their Savior. And God, we can push it off all we want, but one day there's going to come a day that we're not in charge of anymore. So God, for them, I pray, Holy Spirit, convict and lead and give them the strength to respond to you today. God, we celebrate baptism at this church because of your grace. And God, there are people in this room that need to tell the real story of Jesus. And God, their response is to you, not to me. Their response is to you, not the Baptist church. I just pray, God, that they respond to you in humility today. That we stop worrying about what other people are going to say or think. And maybe for the first time, we are going to get in front of people and tell them, I want to be like Jesus. May our pride not hinder our church from worshiping you in that regard. God, there are people here that maybe they remember getting baptized, but they're not really sure if Jesus has ever changed their life. What better day than today to know for sure that you are their Lord and Savior. God, I'm I'm down here to meet with them. Terrence is here. Lance is here. God, there are people here that would love to pray with them and encourage them, Father. We just ask that you move their hearts and that they would step out in obedience in response to you. Now, whatever it is you're calling us to, may we be obedient in this time of invitation. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand as we worship and as we respond. All I want is